0: Hey, good evening, top fans. Bill from Top Fan Rivalry with my co-host, Jackson Westfall. Mr. Jackson, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing excellent. And we're going to do the 80s decade, but we brought in a friend. We brought Ned to come in with us tonight for the 80s decade.
1: Ned, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. The 80s was kind of my era, so th- this will be fun. This will be great.
0: <laughs> this is going to be a good time. Yep, yep, yep. So um we got the 80s decade, and for you top fans, a lot of things have been happening on the site. So first of all, first and foremost, go to the topfanrivalry.com site. A number of articles. I posted up an article about the Nash or the American League West or American League East, I'm sorry, earlier this week and broke it down. Fun little article to read. Tell me what you think. We also have the seven questions that were answered by six people. Uh, Jackson was one of them that actually answered. Uh, some of those questions. And so that was fun. If you haven't gotten locker room access yet, that gets you full access to the TopFanRivalry.com site, go on and click onto the locker room access. If you do it uh, sooner than later, you might end up having a discount code. Try the discount code locker room, all caps. If you do that, you should have either a, you should have a 10% on there. Um, But that's only going to last for two days after this podcast drops. So be prepared that you got to act quick. If not, it's 36 bucks a year. And who cares? 36 bucks to to look at some good baseball stuff. It's a lot cheaper than some of the other places. If you're ordering merchandise, do not pay full price. Enter the discount code Jackson, right? And that will get you a 10% off on any of the hat merchandise. We've got five hats now, Uh, four displayed on the site. We've got a white on white too. So it's exciting times to be part of topgownrivalry.com. Uh, and we got the season coming up here soon. So we're going to have all kinds of fun, all kinds of live on social media. Just be a good time. Jackson, enough of the commercials. My bad. I've gone for 30 minutes. You don't care about the commercials anymore. Jackson, lead us off into the 80s, please.
2: All right. I'm going to start off with a... I know everyone likes guessing. I know Bill likes guessing who I'm trying to describe. and I'm just going to say Santa Ana native Toronto Blue Jay. Oh, nice. Go for it. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? I do. All right. Yeah, Dave Steep.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, he, he was the ace for a really bad <laughs> some really bad Toronto teams, but he was a really solid pitcher. You know, year in, year out, he he threw the innings. He Led the league in innings twice, uh, led the league in the ERA once in 1985 with a 2.48. And just looking at the stats, won 148 games in the decade, which he didn't play on a very good Blue Jays team. Racked up 1,400 strikeouts over 2,458 innings. Started 357 games, so he made all the starts pretty much every year. And I mean, just a really consistent, a nice, you know, sleeper pitcher get us started with dip our toes into the 80s per se nice
0: and so for Utah fans when Jackson said Santa Ana that's about 10 miles away from where he grew up 15 miles away from where he grew up so he's got to throw the native in I mean you gotta I I appreciate that and it's always fun saying the last name Steve by the way that is that that never gets old on those those baby blue uniforms of the 80s right oh yeah there you go All right, Ned, what do you got? Your first up.
1: Uh, My first up, I'm going to go with Cal Ripken Jr. Of course. Cal Ripken was a a, a rookie in 1981 or 82. Came up with the Orioles in 83, won the World Series, and started his illustrious career, but it was all of consistency. He did win an MVP um, in the 80s. He also won one in the early 90s, but – he was he was uh, kind of the the model for the modern day shortstop. You know, big guy, six foot, you know, four, six foot five, two hundred pounds. That's kind of what shortstops look like uh, nowadays. So uh, I'm going to leave it off with Cal Ripken Jr. Nice, nice, nice call. I'll
0: never forget Cal Ripken's first at bat in the series against the Angels, the last series of his career. And John Lackey stepped off the mound. You know, Cal Ripkin's telling him, pitch, pitch. And John Lackey lets the standing note happen. Next, first pitch, John Lackey throws an inside fastball and Cal Ripkin takes it yard. It was awesome. It was awesome. Good call on that one, Ned. I'm, uh, I'm going to go back to the bump. And I'm going to take us for the ever-illustrious guy whose career just never seemed to end. And he was phenomenal in the 80s. In the 80s, he's stuck in Texas. He played for for Houston and for uh, the Rangers. Um, Not only in the 80s did he do well, but in the 90s, we're going to learn that he knows how to fight, too. Just ask uh, Robin Ventura. Um, That is going to be Mr. Nolan Ryan, right? Uh, So Nolan Ryan, three-time All-Star in the 80s, had 122 wins, 104 losses, pitched 2,094 innings, you know, because for good measure, right? 44 complete games, 2,167 strikeouts. And as all you top fans out there know, I love the K per nine innings. 9.3 Ks per nine innings.
2: So does it get much better?
0: (laughs) Uh,
2: Jackson, take us away, brother. I mean, yeah, Nolan Ryan really did pitch forever, huh? (laughs) Yeah, he did. He did. One, one, one could argue that he's,
1: you know, 70s, 80s, and 90s, right? Yeah. Well, and didn't he come up – did he have a drink of water in the 60s? I don't remember if he did or not. Uh, his his rookie year was the early 70s. I want to say 71 or 72, 73 with the Mets. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then uh, he was traded to the Angels, I believe. Angels, right.
0: Yep, yep. Good call. Good call. Okay, Jackson, what you got
2: for us? I mean, I really love my California natives because we're all native Californians on here. But I'm going to go with Tony Gwynn. Nice. I I know my dad loves Tony Gwynn. I love Tony Gwynn. I mean, Tony Gwynn was a hit machine. (laughs) Came up in 1982. uh, Didn't really play a full season until 1984. But in those uh, six full seasons, he had four seasons but he had over 200 hits. Was a Five times all five time All-Star for the decade, won a couple silver sluggers, won a couple gold gloves. Hit three fifty one in nineteen eighty four, three seventy in nineteen eighty-seven. I mean, not much else you can say other than the man knew how to hit and he loved to talk about hitting. Tony Gwen was was the man.
1: Yeah, and, and he actually there's there's stories that uh he's the one that kind of revolutionized the whole use of uh equipment, you know recording equipment to uh record you know each at bat and you know this this happens a lot now you know we talked earlier before about Cal Ripken you know kind of the modern day shortstop Tony Gwynn kind of kind of did that for the art of hitting and uh he would critique himself in game and he would make adjustments in game based off the pitcher based off the count um what's the story Jackson with you know Greg Maddox and in Tom Glavin, what he's only struck out what like nine times and, like 400 at bats against those guys. Yeah, or he, like
2: that. He, hit, he hit like four, four twenty against Greg Maddox or something crazy like that. Yeah, I had some some, and I I believe that Greg Maddox quote is uh, I'll have to I'll look it up for you now. I don't want to miss. Yeah, you. I, I, I
1: actually I actually had the honor of uh, of meeting him uh, once. <laughs> And uh, he, was, he was definitely a larger than life uh, character. I, I almost was speechless when I met him because was, you know, and uh,
2: it, was, uh, it was fun. But. Uh, All right. So the, the stat is choice. yeah, he hit 415 against Greg Maddox and 107 uh, plate appearances, and he never struck out. Yeah. And That's Greg Maddox work. said, but if a pitcher could change speeds, every hitter is helpless, limited by human vision. Except for that effing Tony Gwen.
1: Call <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Drake. laughs> Greg. Uh. Hey, d- don't don't forget that he was a great uh, point guard at San Diego State. You know, I think he I think he led I think he led the Azte- Aztecs to the NCAA tournament uh, in eighty two or eighty three, something like that. Go back and look that one up too. But he was a great basketball player as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, he had great speed. He stole fifty six bases in nineteen eighty seven. So great all around athlete. All right,
0: Ned, what you
1: got, uh, Ned? Well, you guys are you guys are crossing names off my list here, so I got to go to my got to go to my second list. But uh, I'm gonna go with kind of an old timer from the '80s, and uh, I'm gonna go Michael Jack Schmidt. Oh,
0: that was my next call.
1: The Philadelphia Philly. He was actually a three time MVP uh, during the 1980s. Um, you know, led led the Phillies to a World Series in nineteen eighty-three and just was, you know, stuck his whole career there uh with that franchise. And, you know, back then he was the model for the modern day uh home run guy. You know, he I think career home runs he had five hundred and forty eight. You know, doesn't sound like a lot these days, but um but he was a model of consistency. You go back and look at his numbers, you know, he led, led the league in home runs, I think, three or four times and um uh was a great defender as well. So Um, I know as a kid uh, growing up and being a brace fan and watching them play the Phillies, you know, Schmidt was always one of those guys like, Oh, here he comes. You know, he used to, used to wag his butt when he was at the plate when he was getting ready to hit, you know, he's one of the only guys too in history to hit four home runs in a game against the Chicago Cubs back in the late seventies, I believe. I mean, he did it three three times, didn't he? uh, I'd have to look that one up, but um, I know there was a game. It was a, it was a it was a double digit score. It was like twenty three to twenty one. He ended up hitting four home runs that game at Wrigley Field.
0: Nice call. Michael Jack Schmidt was on my list too, so that that's a good call. All right, I'm going to go with with a captain obvious one, and it's funny that some of the stats that people look up, it's amazing. I was on a couple of different websites today preparing for this, and everybody said if you're going to have a third baseman, it's gotta be Mike Schmidt, right? Let me tell you about another third baseman. Okay, I won't tell you who he played with in the 80s cause that'll give it away. Um, 1982, 118 hits followed by 210, 203, 240, 207, 200, 214 and 285. Had 51 doubles one season, 45, 44, 42, 47. This is the batting average. Three forty nine, three sixty one, three twenty five, three sixty eight, three fifty seven, three sixty three, three sixty six, and three thirty. Who am
1: I talking about, boys? Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can don't, you don't, believe? Don't, I mean, don't, but don't forget about his guest appearance on Cheers as well. Oh yeah, let's there. not.
0: Yes, and he had a guest appearance on Cheers. Thank you very much, everybody. Yep. Does. But I gotta tell you, if. If I had to pick one third baseman in the 80s, I don't know that I could pick between Boggs and, and Schmidt. I mean, I agree with you, Ned. He's, Schmidt was phenomenal. But you can make a, a case for, for, you know, having Wade Boggs on there. he's just crazy. So, yeah, Wade Boggs, a Boston Red Sox favorite,
1: right? The funny thing about that guy, that guy was is that you know, he started his career a little bit later than everybody else. I think he didn't, he didn't, he didn't come up when he was like 18 or 19. He was in his mid twenties already. Right. I think his first, his first full year, he was, I think 25 or 26. So that's when guys are already in their prime. If they've, you know, if they've played in the system, but uh, you know, those numbers that you spewed out uh, tell you about the, the model of consistency that he had. And he loved hitting at uh, Fenway park because a lot of those doubles he hit off the green monster. Cause he would, he would just guide that ball to left field and knock it off the wall and be standing on second base, ready to go. But just slap it was, the other direction, yeah. yeah. Slap it the other directions. So that that's a good call there too. I like that one. Yeah.
2: Jackson, what you got for us? All right, uh, I think I'm going to give George Brett a shout. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had a, a nine thirteen OPS for the decade in which he had 193 home runs, 303 doubles, 47 triples. That's just his extra base hits. Had over 1,400 hits. Uh, he won an MVP in 1980 with a ridiculous slash line of 390 batting average, 454 on base, 664 slugging, <laughs> which is just absolutely ridiculous. He was a nine-time all-star for the decade. Really kind of just anchor Kansas City throughout the 80s. And uh, I believe in the 80s is when he got ejected for the pine tar incident, is enough. Yes, 1984. July 24th, 1984.
0: Yeah. And if you listen to him too, when you listen to him on um, anything, he'll tell you if they, like when he talks about that incident, he says, if they eject me, I'm going to, I was going to charge out there. I'm like, that's what you did, George. You definitely charged That's for doggone sure. So.
1: All right. All right. All right, Ned. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with the catcher. Also a local guy from Orange County. Played, I believe he was from Anaheim. I think he was from Anaheim. Um, A nine-time All-Star. Started his career in Montreal. And uh, won a World Series with the Mets in the 80s. Uh, Gary Carter. Gary Carter, um, gone too he, soon. Yeah, you know, he uh, he was kind of funny because I was kind of – when I was looking up some stats for guys by a position, and Gary Carter kind of was the model of what catchers were in the 80s. Um, you know, he hit for some average. Um, he hit for some power, but he knocked in a lot of runs. You know, if you wanted a guy up there in a clutch situation, this was the guy that you wanted. He also handled, handled pitching stats very well, right? I don't know if, if you remember back in the early eighties, Bill and, uh, the strike season, right. Yeah, uh, anyway. Montreal actually, yeah. Montreal was actually in first place, uh, at the strike. And, uh, they had a great, uh, core group of guys on that team. They had, uh, I believe Tim Raines and Gary Carter and, and Andre Dawson. Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he anchored that, uh, that pitching staff. And he also, you know, propelled the Mets. Um, he pretty much was the, the anchor to the Mets uh, for for them winning their world series in the, in the eighties as well. You know, if yeah. you watch that documentary um, about the Mets, I've mentioned this before, but you know, Gary Carter was really the, really the piece that the, that the Mets needed because, uh, you know, he, he promoted, you know, hard work and dedication to his craft and you know just and he was he was just an all-around decent guy and i agree with you gone way too soon you know yeah that uh, that one was tough that one was tough and he
0: ned one of the things about him that i love is he just played the game right and he didn't care you ran into him he knew it he expected it him and mike Sosha you want to run into me come let's go let's see who's man and Nowadays, if you touch the catcher, like you're thrown in prison, they just lock you up right there and take you, you know, take you out of the game, take you off the field and you're done. So I like him. All right. So I got, I got one that may or may not have made everybody's list. Uh, He had 1,642 hits in the eighties. He hit over 300 in the eighties. Four times um, walked 107 times one season but averaged home runs was in the 30s over the whole uh, 80s played for Baltimore um, last uh, season of the 80s he played for the Dodgers and that's Eddie Murray I don't think you can go wrong talking about Eddie Murray Ned, yeah, you don't look too excited about that call, but uh...
1: no, 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 he was on my list too. Actually he he was he he, he was one of those guys that when you when you talk about nineteen eighties baseball, you know, Eddie Murray was the man, you know, and and uh, yeah, just a model consist and I think it's because he played in Baltimore. He didn't get he didn't get a whole lot of uh, he didn't get a whole lot of press and he was just going out and doing his thing. You know, he he was on that eighty three team when they won the World Series and yeah. um you know played for the Dodgers and got you know got got to taste of the World Series again with the Indians later in the 90s but uh, definitely yeah. a guy I'd like to have on my team. You know if we were if we were building a team from the 80s he'd be my first baseman.
0: Yep. You know I agree. I agree. Switch
1: hitter, switch hitter too, which which was deadly.
0: Switch hitter and had some of the best afros of the 70s and 80s. Yep. And I it's still yeah. my favorite clip of Eddie Murray is When Earl Weaver is is arguing with that umpire and dropping the F-bombs, and Eddie Murray's just standing there going, let's just keep playing. Let's just keep playing. (laughs) That's awesome. Jackson, what you got?
2: All right. I'm going to head to another player who's kind of a quote-unquote late bloomer. I'm going to go with Kirby Puckett. Oh.
0: Oh. He was not on my list, but that's a good call.
2: I mean, he played –
1: Jackson, I'm gonna interrupt you right there. Okay, if you're a true Braves fan, you would never select Kirby Puckett as one of your favorite players.
2: <laughs> I
1: remember in 1991 game uh, six against Charlie Leibrandt, but uh, or game five, game six, whatever it was, uh, home run to win the game. So anyway, well, that's my. I, I know
2: what he did, but I wasn't alive, so it's hard to hold a grudge against something I didn't witness in person.
1: <laughs> yeah, once again, a guy that was that was taken way too soon. You know.
2: Speaking of being ejected, like Earl Weaver, Dad, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about Kirby. Tell us about Kirby. I mean, he, he played six seasons, and uh, I mean, he amassed twelve hundred forty three hits over those six seasons, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, had a three twenty three batting average, three fifty seven on base. I mean, he he was just a baller, four time All Star, finished in MVP voting in the top ten. Uh, Four times Won four straight Silver Sluggers From 1986 to 1989 I mean it's a really good Ball player I mean how many times Do we see those clips Of him
0: climbing the wall Of Minnesota Right Making those catches As a little dude Yeah So So Jackson Uh, I don't don't care what Ned says You're still in the You're still in the clubhouse (laughs) 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 Ned how you gonna Follow that up
1: Oh I'm going to follow it up with, this guy said, I'm the greatest of all time. Who was that, Jackson? Ricky. 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 Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson was a rookie in 1979, I believe, came up in 1980 and just tore up the league. You know, he, he really established uh, the game from a stolen base, still holds the stolen base record with 130 stolen bases. I believe that was in 1981, 82, something like that. Um, but uh, he was your prototypical leadoff hitter. He could hit. He could hit with power, which I believe he also holds the record for most lead-off home runs uh, to start a game. And uh, speed, average, you know, wasn't wasn't that great of a fielder, but uh, who cares? You know, the guy could steal, se- get a single, steal a second, steal third, and come home on a ground ball. You know, so um, it's the kind of guy that uh, you know created a lot of uh, uh, madness on the bases for a pretty poor uh, Oakland A's team in the early '80s. Um, he was, he was, he was there during the, uh, the late eighties for Oakland, but, um, uh, Ricky was one of my guys in, in the early 1980s, you know, that was, you know, when I was a young kid, uh, rip, ripping up open baseball cards, that's the baseball card I wanted from the 1980 top series was the Ricky Henderson rookie. And, uh, well, I was gone and I got it, but you know what? <laughs> it ain't a PS 10 anymore.
0: Ah.
1: <laughs> anyway, anyway nonetheless you know you know if if you were it, you know you're your prototypical lead off hitter and um just an just an interesting guy he's just I, I guess that's the the only word that you can really say just interesting. interesting but uh you know you talk about playing the game right i think he kind of did too you know the, the guy hustled he hustled on the bases and and uh you know went out there and he played with a little bit of swagger, and, and I think where this is where these kids nowadays see that swagger, you know. You know, when you're talking, you know, looking at bat flips and, you know, the the, the stutter strut out of the batter's box, this is the guy that started that because he knew he was better than everybody else.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, – but, but uh, he was one guy in the 80s that uh, that uh, was uh, was influential for me.
0: He also played for every team known to man throws another guy that didn't retire either so i love ricky henderson i actually met him in san mateo um one time so he's good dude super nice guy um okay i'm gonna go to arguably one of the best mustaches in the game for the 80s and i don't know jackson you got you got one He might bring up on there i'm gonna go to a guy that played for the yankees padres cubs and giants all in this decade uh five-time all-star um did not want to walk Kurt Gibson in the 1984 World Series. Uh, kind of as your, and, and you should know by now who this is, but it um, hit Ron Sand that the helmet in 1981. Rich Gossage. Rich Goose Gossage. And he's the guy that that the save started to become a thing in the late 70s and early 80s. He had 206 saves in this decade. He had an ERA of 2.64. He was, he had a strikeout per walks of, uh, or strike I'm sorry, strikeout per nine of eight. And he was just the guy. He wasn't, I, I don't know that he was the most intimidating pitcher, like as far as hard throwing, like an abolished Chapman, but he was the guy that was intimidated by his looks. And his looks intimidated you, how he came onto the mound and everything like that. And he beat you. He had a great 80. I mean, Ned, do you remember when say got hit in the head? By him in 81, uh, that World Series, and then yeah. not walking Kurt Gibson. And so, I mean, but he was good. You know, you, if you were posing one of the teams he was pitching for, you didn't want to see him come out of the pen because you knew it was probably over.
1: Well, didn't he? Didn't he? He had a, a decent fastball. Then he also had a good off speed pitch. I don't know if it was yes. a ball a or was a, a change up. You know, you think he'd be throwing a fastball in that situation, but then he'd yeah. throw you that change. It just get you off balance. And that's what made him so tough.
0: Yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was, he was pretty, he was pretty phenomenal that way. So he makes my list. I'm, I'm saving some of the players that I know we're going to, going to mention, you know, so that I don't take all of
2: dead's list away. <laughs> Jackson, what you got next? I'm going to go with, uh, with a hall of Famer. I'm going to go with Tim Rains. Ooh, Ooh, he's kind of an honorable mention for me. But okay, all right, go for it. Honorable mention? He had 1,400 hits this decade. Um, I mean, posted 833 OPS for Montreal. Um, led the league in on base one year <laughs> with a 413. But he just was a consistent guy. He kept us on base uh, in the high high 300s. You know, and despite not being a, a big big home run threat, he got on base, he scored lots of runs, stole lots of bases. Yeah, I mean he's he's another guy like Ricky Henderson. I mean, not quite as prolific as Ricky Henderson, but a good speedy leadoff guy.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a couple of names that I'll mention under honorable mention if you know once we get there. But it, yeah, I mean he was good. Don't get me wrong, but it was Ricky and and Rain. and so Ricky was in the American League, Reigns was in the National League. Ned, you remember this Montreal and and Oakland type you know things. And I was always a Ricky fan. I don't know. Tim Raines, maybe because he always turned it on when he played the Dodgers. But Tim Raines was never my Anyways, personal vendettas. Personal vendettas. <laughs> ben, you're up. Who's your number five?
1: Well, you know, um, I've got one guy on my list. That, uh might be a sleeper for for some, for some of you, but, uh, this is a hall of famer that played uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers. And, uh, he was a two-time MVP at two different positions. Yep. Um, came up, uh, as a youngster at the age of 19 and, uh, uh, took, took the, uh, took the MLB by storm. And that's Robin Yount, you know, and this guy played his whole career, uh, with the Brewers and, uh, he played the game right as well and uh, just went out there played hard every day. And, and, uh, to win an MVP at two different positions, uh, it's kind of hard to do. Right. And, uh, you know, was That's part Joe of that Torre. great. Milwaukee. Oh yeah. Joe a too. Huh? Oh yeah. I forgot about him. Um, but, uh, Robin Yacht was part of that great Milwaukee team that went to the world series in 82. Yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he was, he was just, very non non assuming uh, type of guy that just went out there and just went about his business every day and just a just a a great all around professional professional player professional hitter and you know could feel a little bit too.
0: Amen to that. Ned, didn't Joe Torre didn't Joe Torre become an all star? Not an MVP, but didn't he become an all star? Different positions in his career: catcher, third, and first. Uh, I believe that is correct. Yes. yeah Yeah, sorry jackson i should have been asking you jackson tfr stats guy i mean
2: that is my dad so he's the original stats guy so
0: well while you're looking that up i'm gonna i'm gonna go into new england okay this is somebody that gets overlooked and this is this is somebody ned i'll bet you apples to oranges even though this guy was in Boston, I'll bet you Apple storages you'll agree with this pick. Two-time All-Star, 1,497 hits, 256 home runs, 900 RBIs in this decade. OPS of
1: 882, Dwight Evans. Oh, Dewey Evans. You're pulling Dewey Evans out of there, huh? Really? Yes,
0: sir. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Listen, listen. Interesting. Can you – I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, the guy's got almost 1,500 hits. And unfortunately, he played in an outfield where you had guys like Ricky. You had you know superstars in the outfield. He didn't always show up to everybody's first of mind, right? But no, Dewey Dewey Evans was the man out there in right field.
1: Well, I mean, you know, yeah, in Boston, he he had to he played with Yastrzemski, and then he had to play with Jim Rice, and then he had to play with Freddie Lynn for a little bit. So um, I, I think he didn't get his due until Freddie Lynn actually got. Uh, traded to the to the Angels in, in the early '80s, to, that's really really where he kind of took off. You know, he was he came up in the late '70s, I believe. I think he was a rookie in '76, '77, '78, something like that. Yeah, and then he really started to shine in the '80s.
0: Interesting
1: yeah. pick there, Bill. Wow.
0: Yeah he he came up in '72, but he didn't really he didn't really start to shine until until actually until about 80, 78, but. He had a good 78 season, but until about 80-81 is where he really kind of picked it up and threw it into high gear. 22 home runs in 1981. 32 in 1984. So, anyways, Dwight Evans, Dewey Evans, you got your due. Jackson, what do you got for us?
2: Let's head back to the mound. Someone we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, Dwight Gooden.
0: Oh, uh, yes, sir.
1: Yeah, he's on my list too. There, my friend. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Why? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you select him? You know, when, when this kid came up as a nineteen-year-old, he was lights out. Well, was yeah. like he was like forty-one and eleven in his first three seasons, something like that. Something ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, for the decade, he was one hundred and thirty-nine with a two-six-four ERA. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was- Going 24 76 innings. The man was his lights out. <laughs> Just came That's up funny. and immedi- immediately started putting in the work. 19 shutouts and uh, about seven seasons there. So,
0: yeah, it, it wow. doesn't,
2: he doesn't. I think this, power. This, the story behind him
1: was is that um, I can't remember if Dave, Davey Johnson was the manager at the time. Um, no, David Johnson was the manager in 85. I don't think even – because, you know, he didn't have the experience. But, you know, one of, one of the guys within the organization said, oh, no, you haven't you haven't seen this kid throw a ball. And, uh, yeah, he was liked out. He was on my list too. If, you, if you're talking about pitchers from the 80s, he's definitely on there. Ned, you're up. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on to one other guy till the end, but I'm gonna go with a, a second baseman that uh, I used to watch uh, on WGN. Oh for boy! All years, yeah, good old Ryan, not Ryan, Ryan Sandberg. You know, uh, for for second baseman, he was kind of the the the, the epitome of, uh, hey, let me you know, let me show you what I can do. And, and he became a household name because he played for the um, the Cubs and they were on WGN and they were across, you know, WGN America. So everybody knew him. Um, he, uh, you know, started his career in Philadelphia in the early 80s, got traded to the Cubs and was part of that um, Cubs team that uh, battled the Padres in 84 for the uh, NL pennant and uh kind of was kind of was the staple for the cubs in in most of the 1980s i said if you were to pick a mr cub from the 80s i think that that would be the guy right there um but uh i think he's one of the top hitting second baseman of all time actually in home runs i think he's in the top five um you know another another guy that just went out there and just did his job every single day you know very very unbecoming and just kind of just went out and you know, played the game, played the game right, and, you know, the results showed that.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, I agree with you. And I'm actually going to – I'm going to actually give you, Ned, now I, I did not select Sandberg on my list. I Though he's amazing, there was one other one that I thought – if I only had one second baseman of the decade, only one, who would it be? Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou Whitaker, right? Wow. In Detroit. Um, 1400 and, uh, 1,452 hits. Uh, 43 uh, triples that decade. He he could get around the bags. And he was a 773 OPS. So to me, Sweet Lou was... I mean, he's up there with the Sandberg. Do you go wrong, Samberger or Whittaker? During this decade, you, you can't go wrong. So... Um. Yeah. No. That, that's who I had had there. So, all right, Jackson. Here's your last pick, and then we'll go around the horn after Ned and I, and we'll do three honorable mentions just for interest of time.
2: Give us your last pick. Uh, I I think I know which one my dad's gonna do. So I, I feel really confident in this pick, and I'm gonna throw out Dave Winfield.
1: Oh, he was just
2: <laughs> I mean, he was an All Star every year of the decade. Uh, had 1,400 hits. Hit 223 home runs and 850 OPS. Played for the Padres and then the Yankees. He's one of the iconic Yankees of the 80s. Yes. Yes.
0: Man. And Jackson, I ran smack dab into that guy's chest. Getting off a plane in uh, John Wayne. I turned around to see where... I, I can't remember who's traveling with me, but I turned around and boom. I ran into this big African-American guy. And I looked up and I'm like, Sorry, Mr. Winfield. And he says, shh, because he didn't want to get recognized. Like, shh. (laughs) Yes, sir. Just go around me. i would knock me over. Uh, Dave Winfield, amazing guy. When San Diego got rid of him and he went over to New York with with Jackson and others,
1: that that was power right there. So, Ned, who do you got next? Well, I mean, since this is my last pick, right, of the 1980s, Yep. Being the bracer. I, I would be, be remiss not to mention uh Uh-oh. the guy that roamed center field for a number of years in the early nineteen eighties after being a catcher and a first baseman. And de- that didn't really work out. But that would be uh Mr. Murphy, Dale Murphy. Um, the youngest ever to win uh back to back MVP awards. He won it in eighty two and eighty three. Um was kind of was a model of consistency, uh, with the way he played, you know, he didn't hit for high average, but you know, he hit for power and, and hit for slugging. And, uh, you know, with superstation TBS kind of put the, kind of put Braves country on the map, you know, back in the early eighties. And he kind of was the face of the franchise until he got traded in, uh, 88, but, um, and just an all around decent guy, you know, got, yeah. had had the fortunate opportunity to meet him as well. And, um, just all around, deep
0: guy. Love it. Yeah, Dale Murphy was on that list. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm struggling with my first honorable mention and my last pick. So do not take this hard, Red Sox fans, because the honorable mention I'm going to mention, we'll talk about it in the 90s, I promise you. Um, but in the 80s, we're going to go back to the Bronx. We're going to talk about a guy that was a six time All Star, hit 323 for the whole decade, 889 OPS, 1300 hits. That's Donnie Baseball. Don Madden. Wow.
1: I don't, I don't know. What are you, wow. What are you, wow. Yeah. 1300 and hits. And it's unfortunate that guy that never played in the playoffs, you know? Yeah. How, good, yeah. how good he was. This, you know? They didn't go to the playoffs is, until after he retired. Year after Yeah, year. exactly. The last season he, he played the playoffs. I know. Listen, we can't give
0: him a hard time because he played on bad teams. That's not his fault, right? But he was he was a good player. That's for sure. And honestly, uh, you know, Eddie Murray, Don Manningly, Um, Eddie Murray's definitely the guy with a little bit more experience. Definitely the guy that you would take over Don Manningly. But if your backup was Don Manningly to Eddie Murray, you got that position pretty much sealed up, right? All right, Jackson, nail me your three honorable mentions.
2: Uh, best mustache, hands down, Raleigh Fingers. Nice. Uh, he had a couple good years left in him in the 80s. Nice. Uh, the fun fact is one of his contracts he signed had a condition that they had to supply it with mustache wax for the whole season. <laughs> my favorite contracts fact ever. Um, another one that will make my dad upset, uh, this name, Jack Morris, is worth mentioning, but...
1: Yeah, I can I can respect that. You know, you pitched ten shutout innings in Game Seven on a World Series. You know, props to you, my friend. There you
2: go. Yeah, honorable mention there. And then I'm surprised Bill didn't mention Oral Hershiser at all.
0: Ah, I had him on my honorable mention list. I love it. I love it. I love it. I was getting around to him. Getting around to him. <laughs> give <laughs> the eighties. Love it, Jackson. What a list. What a list. And that mustache thing, it doesn't get any better.
2: (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Awesome. All right, Ned, your three honorable mentions. Okay. Well, Bill, you're not going to like this one because he killed the Dodge in 85 and he hasn't even been mentioned, but uh, the Wizard of Oz, Ozzy Smith, you know, that, you know, hit the home run off Needing Fuhrer in the 85 uh, playoffs. Remember that? I do. Yeah. Ozzy Smith is one. Another Hall of Famer uh, that also uh, was a model of consistency, Paul Molitor. This guy with Robin Young, these guys were one-two. Were a one-two punch for Milwaukee Brewers. And then uh, I'm going to go on the I'm going to go on the hill, and some may disagree with this, but just like Doc Gooden, he was good coming out of his rookie season um, and, uh, won a Cy Young award early in his career and also won him later in his career, but I'm going to go with the rocket Roger Clemens. If, yes. if you look at his staff from his, his years in Boston in the, in the uh, mid to late eighties, uh, he was the dominant pitcher for the AL and, uh, you know, if I had to pick one starter in the eighties, that would be the guy who would take the hill for me.
0: Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that, Ned cause he was on my, uh, He was on my list, too. Uh, And that's where I said we're going to talk about him in the 90s. That's the guy I was talking about. (laughs) I'm like, you know, he was dominant in the 80s, too. He had some great years in the 90s and early 2000s, too. The guy that never wanted to retire. Right. All right. So if I'm going to go honorable mention here, um, I'm surprised we passed this guy up. Uh, But he played for a while. He played in the 90s as well. We passed up Daryl Strawberry, Rookie of the Year, 1983, um, six-time All-Star. What? What's that? What? What do you mean, what? Strawberry? Yeah. Oh. Uh, This guy's, what? what? Listen, he was dominant in the early 80s. He was. Between he and Duncan, Ned's rolling his eyes, but come on now. We passed up on him. Okay, another guy that another guy that I thought was interestingly dominant, but I mean, since you took our our um, Oral Hirschheiser, interestingly dominant, he had an 88 in the 1980s, he had 88 wins and 88 losses. But he had 94 saves and he became the predominant closer in the 80s, and that was Dennis Eckersley. I don't think you can go wrong with Dennis Eck. Right? And Kurt Gibson will, will argue that point too, right? And so, yeah, so Dennis Eck was another one. And then, interestingly enough, I'm surprised we didn't talk about this guy either. Another guy, 234 saves, played for Boston and the Cubs, 50 wins, 57 losses, ERA 2.96, nine strikeouts per nine innings, and that's Lee Smith. Yeah, big Lee. Yeah, yeah he, he gets Go
1: ahead. Sorry, he, he, yeah, he actually was was on my list a little bit lower than that, but yeah, he was kind of the dominant closer of the '80s. Like, if you had to pick one, um, you know, you mentioned Goose Gossage. he was kind of the early '80s, but I think Lee Smith, you know, talk about a big guy. this guy was, this guy was, he was massive on the mound, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, dominant too. And, he was. Uh, I would
0: agree, I would agree with that. Every single person I had on my list. Every single person I had on my list, we talked about. Uh, Yeah. The 80s is so much fun. Jackson, you missed some some fun baseball that, you know, that time of, of the decades. You missed awesome uniforms and you missed fun baseball because that was, I mean, some of these guys were just oddly dominant. And then you had guys like Alan Tramble. You had guys like Lou Whitaker, Alan Tramble. That just played together for so long, and we're just good, just good.
2: So yeah, I mean, that's why we do the series, right? We hop on just talk about baseball. It's a lot of fun. There you go. Next I mean, up is the nineties, right? Ooh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be a good one. It's gonna be a long one, maybe. <laughs>
0: that's that Ned. You gotta join us again for the 90s. That one's gonna be fun too.
2: Yeah, that that
0: I I'll, I'll be up for that, sure. I mean that's that's the year the Braves didn't have really very many good players and, and no. they weren't very good that decade, right? So no. no. I mean that's <laughs> being a Braves fan, it was just a, a a long, you know, frustrating winter
1: felt like. No. Yeah. Braves again, fans were loving the decade. It was like, oh, here we go again, you know. Oh man. <laughs> Another division win. Another division win, really
0: yeah there you go another division win
2: yes uh all right i think we covered it yeah i mean that was a ton of fun guys uh thanks for listening uh if you're if you're new here uh make sure to follow us on instagram at top fan rivalry check out the website Topfanrivalry.com. um you know listen to the rest of our podcasts we promise we're not usually this long we ran a little long tonight but we hope you guys enjoyed it and uh Leave leave a comment. Leave some comments down below on who we missed. Um, I'm going to call Bill out here in the outro. No mention of Fernando Valenzuela. That's oh. a little disapp- that's a little disappointing to me, Bill.
0: Oh man! I, oh Jackson! Oh, I forgot. Literally, I had him written down and I forgot him. Oh man, Dodger fans, don't hate me.
2: He forgot. Oh. He forgot about Fernando Mania somehow. I left it for him till the end. But
0: how did that happen? Oh, maybe, my word. maybe
2: Fernando Mania will get his own episode one day.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, that's just awful. In fact, that's what we have to do, Jackson. I have to I have to make it right with Dodger fans everywhere. So maybe we'll have to have a Fernando Mania throughout the decades. Oh, my gosh. How did I? Well, it's been a long day. What can
2: I say? <laughs> long, long day. But th- thanks for joining us. So. Yes, thank you good to be on bill and thanks for coming on dad or ned as all the other viewers know him as all the listeners out there uh and we hope you guys have a good rest of your day or night whenever you listen to this and love to hear from you
0: thank you thank you jackson
2: thanks dad.
0: thanks